Welcome to episode 64 of the Luke Winstall Show. I'm joined by Brad Keller, Kansas City Royals pitcher. Brad has been a rising star in their organization for the past couple of seasons. Today we talked about the MLB's response to COVID-19 and his path to the MLB. Now we'll dive into the interview. Brad, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing really well. I'm excited to talk to you. My first question, for your spring training, how was it going before it got stopped? Um, it was going really good, actually. Um, you know, just like any other spring training, we, uh, you know, it was, it was just the timing of it. I mean, obviously, you know, looking back on it now, it, you know, it was inevitable, I guess. But, um, you know, the timing of it was terrible because we were literally a week out from leaving. We were leaving camp pretty early. Um, we were going to Milwaukee to play two games there against the Brewers and then um, down into Chicago to open up the season. So, like, as it started, we were all built up. And, you know, I, I think I just finished um, my four-inning outing. Uh, my next outing would have been five or six, and then, you know, the season started. So, um, you know, we were all built up, ready to go, and, and then ultimately got shut down. So, But before all that, I mean, everything was going great. Yeah, I know the coronavirus has been a big disruption to your routine. So everything's going good. You're building up. You get stopped. Now when it's time to get back going, how long do you think you're going to need? Um, so that's the tough part. I mean, that's uh, it's hard to – no one's really gone through this. So no one really – you know, they always say, like, the second time you get high is when, you know, ultimately you get hurt. Um, so we got to be super cautious about that because – you know, like I said, we were built up five innings, and then we ultimately get shut down. We almost got to start all over again. We got to start back at, you know, one or two innings our first outing, three innings our next, four innings, and, and so on. But, I mean, ultimately, I think, um, you know, if we get if we get prepared in a time like this, you know, we're, we don't really have a set schedule, but we're, you know, mentally we can, you know, stay prepared and stay ready, and physically we can stay prepared and stay ready. Um, I think it, we could get ready in, in about – three weeks or so um i know it's still a long time um and i know a lot of people want baseball back soon but and so do we but we you know we kind of got to be smart about you know safety and health of our of our bodies to help starting pitchers like you do you think a roster expansion to 27 or 28 or maybe even more guys to help the pitching staff and starters out do you think that would be a good idea i think so i think uh definitely early on um you know, like I said, us being smart, if they, you know, they, they kind of give us like a shortened spring training, like a two-week spring training, it'll be really hard. You know, we don't really want to push it too much, um, you know, with significant time off that we've had. So I think, uh, you know, giving, giving us two extra guys or three extra guys uh, on the pitching side would definitely be beneficial for, for starters. You were talking before we started and went on the show here about a CBS article that's come out and said that there's a bunch of rule changes the MLB could test or try in the 2020 season. A lot of people have been talking about a lot of different ways to get baseball. Some of them are an automatic strike zone because the umpire, generally an older guy, would not be able to socially distance and umpire. You could have ghost runners so players aren't close to each other. There's also the one, two, three hitters could start every inning. Does any of that sound good to you? Are those good ideas, or should we just wait it out? To me personally, I think we should just wait it out. I mean, we, you know, you still want to keep the integrity of the game. You still want to play the game the way it was meant to be played. Um, you know, having ghost runners 
you know, you, you, it's like wiffle ball all over again, you know, you just, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, so someone hits a single, it's like, oh no, he went to third base, it's like, well, no, like, you know, like, how can you prove it, you know, that, like, stuff like that, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that it's kind of a time to experiment with, you know, rules, but I think more so, like, staying within the game, you know, I think that's kind of, uh, those rules are kind of, um, kind of out there a little bit, um, but I, you know, I, d- I definitely think people people really are, are missing baseball, and I think they're going to try to do everything they can. But I think they're going to definitely try to, you know, stay within the game. Well, to follow up on that with the automated strike zone, I know it's something that the MLB has been testing and looking at. I know from watching on TV and watching in person and having played the game, the umpires are obviously not always right. Sometimes they miss some big calls. But do you like the idea of an automated system? Um, I mean, I think the human error and the human part of the game is what makes it fun. Um, obviously, you know, umpires, they're just like us. Like, they make mistakes, too. Like, um, and I think it's becoming more and more often that their their calls, you know, especially with replay and everything, their calls are definitely, um, you know, getting out there a lot more and, and getting a lot more attention. But, you know, I think... Seeing, seeing it happen in the fall league and hearing about guys that pitched in the fall league, um, I think the automatic strike zone is definitely um, going to be beneficial for pitchers um, because they're saying that like if you threw a curveball at the bottom of the zone and it clipped the bottom line and it would end up in the dirt and the catcher would like drop and block it, that they would still get called for strike three because it hit the bottom of the zone. So basically when, it, when, when, they, when they talk about north and south, it's beneficial for the pitcher because, you know, pitchers hardly ever get the top of the strike zone, you know, called strikes. Unless you get a swing through or a foul tip, it's almost no umpire calls the top of the strike zone. Um, but as far as, like, you know, width of the plate, like a few balls out or, you know, a few balls inside, like, those are going to be kind of tough. Like, um, but, I mean, it would be interesting, like, you know, talking to, talking to some of the guys that were in the fall league this year with us, um, and, and I just kind of picked their brains in here what they what they had to say. It was kind of fifty fifty on their response. Like um, a lot of them liked it because you know you're getting more strikeouts, but you also were. It was almost like forcing you to throw the ball over the middle of the plate because you know if you try to go fastball away, you weren't getting like those you know borderline calls anymore. It had to be like in the in the zone. So um, I think it'd be interesting. Um, I think a lot. I think uh, it'd be cool to experiment in spring training, but I think it's going to take a lot to incorporated uh, big league baseball it's sounding to me like something that's just built to make the strike calls and ball calls a little more accurate kind of changes the game a lot for a pitcher and the mentality yeah no definitely it definitely does you know um i think uh i think guys are going to be i mean it's almost forcing guys to be a lot more aggressive you know instead of like trying to pitch to get strikeouts like you're almost pitching to get contact because you don't know you know, if you're going to, you know, most of the time guys kind of like, you know, the umpire, you know, get deeper in the game, he's kind of giving you a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and you kind of start backing up some strikeouts. But, you know, you know when you when you don't really get that extra little bit late in the game, you're kind of getting tired, you know, you got to save, save those pitches that you were trying to throw early on. So, I mean, I think it's going to force guys to get a lot more aggressive in the zone and, and go after guys. Well, back to talking about the pandemic and getting baseball back. 
Do you think that the MLB should wait until fans can be in the stadium to play, or would you be okay with just getting out there and playing games, whether you have fans or not? Um, that's that's tough. Like, I mean, the fans the fans make the games. I mean, um, you know, I, that's the 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 nerves you get, like the excitement, the adrenaline, that all comes from the fans' energy. Um, so I I definitely think. That that's uh, that's something that we need to uh, whether you know it becomes like more playing music or something like um, something that they might have to do some digging about. But I think ultimately people just want baseball back. I think that's how you know that's kind of my stance. Um, you know, a lot of the other guys that been talked to, it's like we don't care, you know, where or what who's in the stands or whatever. We just want to play baseball. We want to. I mean, this is the game we love. This is our jobs. Like. We want to get back out there. We want to, and and almost bring the country together. I, I feel like everyone's kind of, you know, not really knowing what to do right now. We're just kind of all just sitting here, um, you know, bored. I guess um, people aren't working, and you know, a lot of people are stressed. And it's a, it, it's going to be a way to, you know, get their minds off stuff about what's actually going on, and just sit down with your family or whatever, and just you know, watch a baseball game. Um, I think that would be really special to do, and I think. I'm hoping we're we're one of the first sports to get back. So um, either way, fans and no fans, I think we just need baseball back. Definitely. Well, now I want to dive into your journey to making it to the major leagues. How would you describe it? What was your path like? Um, definitely a lot of ups and downs. Um, there's, I, I feel like that's everybody's journey. Also, I mean, I don't think anybody has a straight shot, um, or I shouldn't say anybody, but very few. But, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time in the minor leagues. Um, you know, I, I went to some crazy places, met some amazing people, friends for lives. Um, you know, just been been really special. And, and to, you know, finally be, you know, living out my dream has just been a dream come true. Um, you know, it's just been super, super fun. Everything what I expected, plus more, it's just... Uh, but like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Was there ever a point for you along the way where things just started to click? Something changed or something fit into place and you started to really cruise from there on out? Um, I never felt like, I mean, still to this day, I don't, I don't even feel like that I've ever got that feeling. Um, I feel like every time I go out there, I try to learn something new whether that's game day or just, you know, regular practice, regular bullpen, whatever, um, you know, try to learn something. Um, but I think ultimately, to answer the question, I think my low A season, um, my very first bullpen, I was in Kane County um, in Illinois, and it was freezing cold. Uh, I remember this to a T, and at the time, I never threw a sinker before. I was only a four-seam slider changeup guy, and – um, my pitching coach at the time was Doug Bockler, and he was like, "Hey, man, I really want you to try this. Um, I want you to throw a sinker." And he and we, we, you know, we messed around with a few grips, and I found a sinker that really, really helped me, and and you know, was pretty consistent right off, right off the bat. Like I think I threw it, um, you know, ten straight times in this bullpen, and every every pitch was the exact same. So I was like, "Okay, like this is the one we need," and. That year, I ended up having like a two six ERA in the whole season, and had probably the best year of my life. Um, and all it all came from one bullpen of you know just learning a new pitch. Um, so I definitely think that was the time where I was like, okay, like 
I think I can I think I can pitch in in, in Pro Bowl now. Because at the time, like going into that year, I struggled mightily in um, rookie ball. I was um, I was pretty young too, so I was very naive to a lot of stuff. I didn't really um, I wasn't really a pitcher. I was more so of a thrower at the time. I was just kind of going up there and trying to throw the ball as hard as I could. And super wild, um, a lot of walks, and uh, I didn't really just didn't really grasp pitching. I just really enjoyed going out there and playing. Um, so I think I think at that moment throwing that bullpen, I was kind of like, all right, this is the time where I could, you know, I think I could I could pitch here. I can I can start understanding what I want to do, how I want to get guys out, and, and uh, ultimately pitch in the big league. Awesome. I've heard. I think I read recently in an article that you've added or been working on a curveball. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really been able to throw a changeup in the last like two years probably even stems back further about three years. Um, so I've kind of been going, you know, just being a two-pitch pitcher with a fastball and a slider. And so, you know, it's last year was kind of challenging because, you know, I already had a year under my belt and a lot of the teams that I'm facing already knew how to scout report on me and every – I just basically was throwing fastballs every pitch and, you know, guys are sitting back and waiting for it. So – um, going into this offseason, me and our pitching coach, Cal, Cal Eldridge, and um, we, we try to figure out a way, one, either, you know, work with a splitter, change up or something, trying to find something, or ultimately go to a curveball and see what we can do there. And um, when I was in Lowe, or no, High, um, in Visalia, California, um, the Diamondbacks wanted me to throw a curveball as well. And so I kind of had an idea of how to throw it, but at the time I really wasn't like, good at spinning the ball very well so um so yeah i got i got back home at full count baseball in georgia and uh got on the edge of tronics and the rap soda and really try to hammer down a curveball and um try to get the good feel try to get the good spin rate and all that stuff on it so it definitely it definitely worked helped me out a ton in spring training this year and um, i was really excited to bring it into the season well back to your journey i know that you were a rule five draft pick you're picked in that draft. You eventually end up in Kansas City. Heading in, did you want to be selected? Um, you know, everyone wants to be protected on the 40-man. Like, um, I think, you know, when I was with the D-backs, um, they had this, they had this uh, mural hanging on the wall, and it's, you know, they're homegrown players, and it's guys that they've drafted, been through the minor leagues, and made their debut with um, the D-backs. And, and ultimately, like, my goal is like I wanted to be on that board. You know, this is a, the D-backs were a team that drafted me. Um, they believed in me, gave me a chance when I was 17 years old, coming out of high school. Um, so I was like, you know, that that was the team that I really wanted to be with um, at the time. And um, when ultimately, when I didn't get protected, um, get put on the 40 man, I was like, you know what? Like I've been here before. You know, I've kind of been an underdog. It's like I'm just going to go in it with an open mind. Um, and whatever happens, happens, you know, and, you know, if any team does pick me up, you know, I'm, I'm going to be super excited for the opportunity. And I'm going to try to make the most of it. And um, it's kind of crazy. I was driving to workout one morning and the morning of the Rule 5 draft and my agent called me and he was like, hey, man, um, you got picked up by the Cincinnati Reds and you, congratulations and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I, I really wasn't expecting much of the Rule 5 draft because I've always heard it's like really hard to kind of, you know, go throughout the whole process because the team that picks you have to keep you on the roster for a whole year. So 
you know, I was like, okay, like, you know, I got the opportunity. Now I just got to make the most of it. And, um, so I got picked by the Reds. I, um, I was calling my family, called my brother, my mom and dad. When I hung up with him, um, my agent called me back and was like, Hey man, just kidding. Like you got traded to the Royals. And I was like, Oh, sick. So I was basically a Red for all of 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I, you know, I had to pick up the phone, call my parents, my brother back and everything and told them I got traded to Kansas City. And yeah, you know, I, I super thankful for the opportunity, super blessed. And, um, you know, just, Try like I said. I tried to go into spring training. I knew it was going to be hard, and I knew you know I'm coming from Double A when most of the guys there are going to be in big league camp have already you know Triple A or big league. They're, and I was just like you know this, I'm just going to try and enjoy it as much as I can, you know, because I don't know if you know I could get sent home the day I got there. You know what I mean? I could have got sent back to the D back. So I was just like you know I soak everything I everything I can learn. Um, you know, take all the veterans' brains, try to learn as much as I can. And, you know, if I do get sent back, hopefully I'm going to be a better person from it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 that was kind of my mindset going in. And ultimately, um, I made the opening day roster and made my debut on opening day, which is really special. Yeah, I'm wondering what that is like for you coming from Double A. You're guaranteed a ticket to the major leagues, basically. You make it through spring training. They want to keep you on the roster so they can have your rights as a player. But what's it like for you going from facing Double A competition straight to being a guy that is on the major league roster all year long. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, it was definitely a big step. Um, you know, I, I think adrenaline kind of carried my entire, my entire rookie year. I was just like, so hyped up the whole season. Um, but I mean, it, it was, you know, at, at first I really didn't know how to attack it. And, um, I was throwing, I remember I was warming up for my first big league appearance in spring training and our bullpen coach at the time, Vance Wilson, um, I was all over the place. I was just absolutely spraying, like basically hitting the backstop with every fastball, like spiking every slider. I just, I felt like I've never pitched before in my life. And I remember him just like kind of like, it was after like my 10th pitch, he just like looked at me. He's like, dude, you're going to be all right. He's like, I'm gonna, this is what you're going to do. You're going to throw every fastball right down the middle. And you're going to throw every slider right down the middle. And I was just like, okay. Like, it was like his way of like, cool, like calming me down. And, I just remember fate, like thinking, I was like, I'm going into a bigger game. Like I was facing the Giants down at Scottsdale Stadium, and and um, it was later in the game, so at the time, like a lot of the uh, you know like big name players weren't playing, but they still had guys in that roster, um, you know, that had service time, that had big league time, that I knew their name. And so I remember going in there, and the first batter was Gregor Blanco, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy's you know big league or whatever. And like on two pitches, I got on the ground out, and it was like that's all I needed. That's all the sense that I needed. I was like, okay, like I can pitch here, you know. So that first outing, I did well. Second, third, fourth, I think I ended up giving like giving up like one run the whole spring training, and like that was just a way to you know kind of reassure myself, like okay, like everything that I've been nervous about, like is my stuff going to play here? Am I am I going to be able to like you know throw strikes in this league? Because you always talk about how small the strike zone is, like. Am I going to be able to do all this stuff? It was just like, it was like kind of like a relief to go through that experience and, and be able to, you know, tell myself like, okay, I can do this. So, um, and then once I got into the season, you know, once scouting sports were a thing and, and you don't really, you know, I always thought like I'd kind of be super nervous to talk, you know, you know, say Mike Trout or Albert Pools gets up there. It's like, how am I going to be able to like 
tune out the names that I'm facing or the people I'm facing and just go out there and attack them like another hitter. Um, but for some reason, I found it pretty easy to do that. Um, and it honestly became fun whenever those guys stepped up there because it was like, you know, this is this is exciting. Like, I'm, I'm getting to face the best of the best. Okay, yeah. You mentioned that you started coming out of the bullpen and eventually you progressed into the rotation. For a team that is trying to groom a young pitcher into a starter, would you suggest letting them get a taste and kind of dip their toe in the water coming in through the bullpen and working their way in or going straight into the fire and being a starter? Um, I definitely think coming out of the bullpen is, is key. Um, I think just just from the workload standpoint of it, like being able to you know go out there and your first outing and all you have to do, all you have to think about is getting three out. That's all you can care about. And I think that was, uh, that was the most beneficial thing to me is just like a little bit at a time. I felt like uh, when I first got up, it was like one inning, one inning, one inning, one inning. And then they started giving me like one and a third or one and two thirds, like one and a third. And then it was like, okay, like you can go two innings. So then I became, you know, going two innings here and there. It was just like a workload standpoint. I think, you know, because the adrenaline is like so much and like the nerves and everything is so much. And just to be able to go out there and, and just go one inning and just get three outs, especially coming from a starter when like your mindset was like, this is my game and I want to get, I want to pitch all 27 outs of this game. And, you know, when you're a starter and that's your mindset, like, you're not necessarily, like, conserving because I don't believe in, like, conserving energy, but you're, like, also, like, I want to get deep in this ball game, So, you know, you kind of, like, you know, pitch to that. You, you're not really showing guys, you know, your stuff right away or whatever. Um, and as a, you know, coming out of the bullpen, it was like, this is my best stuff. I have to get you out once, and here it is. You know what I mean? So it's just like from a workload standpoint, I think that's definitely beneficial um, to come out of the bullpen. And then once you once you get into the starter role, um, you know, kind of get built up a little bit, it, it becomes a lot easier to manage yourself because it's like, okay, well, I know what 100% is when I was coming out of the bullpen. It's like I can also pitch here and then get to that 100% later on in this game. So I think it's, uh, it was definitely a learning experience when I was coming out of the bullpen, um, but definitely, definitely helped out a ton. Definitely. So now I'm wondering with you being a younger player who has come up in the major leagues earlier in your career, you're a younger guy. So for you being under team control for the next few years, is there any talk going on right now of trying to get an extension or trying to work anything out like that? No, honestly, I think everyone, all the talks are basically on getting baseball back. Um, I, I think, uh, those opportunities right now, I, don't, I think everyone's kind of put those on the back burner just because, you know, without no game, there's no, there's no, you know, um, payments or anything like that going on. And, um, ultimately to me, I don't really play the game to get paid. I play the game because I love the game. I, I love the excitement. I love the adrenaline. I love going out there and competing with the guys. Um, I love the team aspect. Um, so, you know, as far as I, I kind of, you know, whatever happens, happens, uh, financially or whatever like that. Um, Ultimately, I go out there and just love to play that game. And so, like I said, I think most talks are on um, getting the game back. So, Yeah, I was curious because I know now would either be the time where everything's pushed aside because of the virus or everyone has more free time so you can do a little more talking. So <laughs> I guess the talks yeah. with the GMs about money have stalled right now. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of, um, you know, that – 
a lot of them, you know, I don't know if you've seen recently, but, um, you know, most, most teams are only paying clubs or playing officials through the 31st of May. And after that, we're hopefully to have a season um, to where we can, you know, generate some more revenue. But, you know, the, the future of the season and, and people's, um, you know, paychecks are, are in jeopardy along with a lot of other, um, you know, people in America right now. So I think ultimately that's stuff on the back burner. We're just trying to figure out a way to get back. Awesome. Well, Brad, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you again to Brad for taking the time to come on the podcast. Next up on the Luke Winstall Show, I'm talking with Rob Vaca, who has one of the coolest jobs in all of sports. He helps NFL players off the field with everything from finances to foundations and charities. That concludes this episode of the Luke Winstall Show. I'm Luke Winstall. Thank you all for tuning in.